Welcome to another Not For Nothing with your hosts, Chris and Chris. Hello, Chris. How's Hello, it going? Chris. How you doing, bud? I'm wonderful. It's Friday. Uh, the NFL season is almost upon us. Okay, question. Quick question. When, oh. it, when is it Thursday? Are they, when does it start? Yeah, next Thursday. Uh, Houston, Kansas City. They're starting with a Thursday AFC game. Playoff rematch. God. It just it doesn't feel real. I don't know why. It doesn't feel real at all. I guess because like schedules are weird. Like I just don't like the there's fantasy a, draft kind of snuck games. up on us. I feel, yeah, it's. I, the, I feel yeah. The, the time everything's off, right? Because there's other sports that are happening that probably shouldn't be happening. There's all. It, everything's just weird, right? It's gonna it's just, the, it, the NBA playoffs. Are, the NBA playoffs are gonna be like against like Thursday night football. Like it's just ugh, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be mayhem. It's gonna what be mayhem. Do? I don't know. I'm not a. I like. I just. Oof. It's gonna be like watching the XFL. Is what it's gonna be like watching. It might be because there'll be, be no well, no some, fans. Some some teams are having fans in the stands. Apparently, it's it's all like uh, dependent on each state and what their rules and regulations are. Yeah. Well, all the dome teams should definitely have fans. <laughs> Recirculated there. I mean, whatever. It's probably. I'm guessing it's all season ticket holders, which is good because then if they get COVID, then it gives more chances for other team people to get season tickets. Like yeah. all the Packers, they should all get that whole team should be full, full, full fans. And some people would die off. But same in Pittsburgh, in fact. I don't know what they're doing in Pittsburgh. The only one I know is Baltimore, right? They're doing like ten thousand fans or something. I don't know. Like I, it, I'm, I'm not keeping track of. It. I, I know like Seattle for the Seattle has like the first three home games. They're not doing any fans, and then they're readjusting. You know, at some point after that, um, I think Dallas is. Jerry Jones is still trying to force as many fans as possible into the stands so he can make his money. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's got a big kind of fucking a, stadium, you know, right. they can't, yeah. having that stadium open must cost a ton of money just to like be open. Yeah. Right. Probably. Yeah. I, it's, it's incredible. I, I, yeah. The overhead on that thing. I don't know. Like, yeah. Or just, or just the, the like the mortgage for something on it, you know, like the I, yeah, mortgage. you need to, you need to <laughs> pay smoke, for it. Smoking like a, I think the city pays for football stadiums. <laughs> well, they pay, they have to pay rent or they have to pay something to usually that's how they, they sort of work that around it. Is it like if the, the city might own rates? it, but then they like lease it or something from the, the city. So they still have to pay it some, some regard. And then the city gets to use it for like car shows and stuff. <laughs> yeah, monster truck shows. <laughs> They're like, sorry, Jerry. This weekend, it's the best. The best part, though, is furry con. Uh, yeah, San Diego Chargers. Even though they move into a brand new stadium, it's it's just gonna be like the last couple of years with no fans in the stands. Oh, what about what about Las Vegas? Those poor bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really like they're yeah. Las yeah. Vegas really took it in the a. Uh, them and Milwaukee, like those two cities, COVID really. Milwaukee, like they lost the DNC, lost mm. the like a playoff like a playoffs with a the number one seed and then like have have insane strife <laughs> like you know shooting is in the streets like m- m- like wisconsin in general just kind of like yeah that, they they were they were riding high on 2020 like there was going to be a big year for for them 
And then Vegas, <laughs> Vegas lost the NFL draft, which who cares? But like they do probably. I mean that industry. It was a lot of money, probably. Yeah, the know? events industry is like in Vegas is really suffering. Gambling. Yeah, gambling, and now, now you can't watch Derek Carr throw four interceptions in person. <laughs> that's that's going to be a shame. <laughs> I know. I know. Poor Derek Carr. Poor Derek. I hope I hope he uh, I I'm I I'm high hopes for him. But mm. before we get too deep into the NFL whatever, black hole, mm-hmm. vortex, <laughs> the vor the you know it's like we I want to avoid the NFL. Like I just don't like my heart's not in it, but it's impossible mm-hmm. to avoid. Like it, if be it concussions or mm-hmm. or kneeling, like it's just it's mm-hmm. like you can't quit it. I don't know mm-hmm. why. It's Gambling. an impo- yeah, gambling. It's, it's I don't know why. It's like NFL just is like it's so it's so hard to like quit it. It's you can't quit it. They're they're our broke back mountain. They are our broke back mountain. Every time I think this year I'm not going fishing with that guy. <laughs> I just I suddenly find myself packing my lures. Yep. Jumping <laughs> jumping in a sleeping bag. Yeah. yeah. Can't quit it. They can't, man. Uh all right. Um, so before we do this, before we yep. get to, uh, I, I just, and I, this is, we're a couple of days late on this and I'm sure every important person from like Michael Wilpon to, you know, uh, Peter Vesey or whomever have already done a John Thompson tribute. Uh, the great John Thompson passed this week. Uh, I believe Monday, right? Am I wrong? Or is it Sunday? No, um, Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Um, John Thompson coach of the most famously the coach of the of the georgetown hoyas in fact i don't he didn't have much of a coaching career outside of that um he was a high school coach before georgetown yeah but not not much not like for like six years i think um guidance counselor rj so yeah i texted rj and was like hey you need to like respect john thompson today and he tried to come at me but couldn't can't do it uh i'm a I, i grew up chris i grew up a big georgetown basketball fan in fact that, that was that was my team. Still to this day remains my team. And it's I'm one of those people that's like, yeah, I love a team that like I didn't go to. But like Georgetown basketball to me, like I liked Georgetown before I even liked pro basketball. Like that team spoke mm-hmm. to me. John Thompson spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in fact, I thought it was like a predominantly ba- black school until I was mm-hmm. like in high school. Like I didn't mm-hmm. even realize it was just like a waspy white person school, like Jesuit mm-hmm. school. Um. John Thompson was a huge part of the reason I like those teams. And and my era of of Georgetown basketball was post Pat Ewing. I didn't I I kind of remember Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing playing, but not really. It was really more about like the Al Harringtons, the Zoes, mm-hmm. the you know Othello. the Othello. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Othello, not Al Harrington. Othello yeah. Harrington, thank you for doing that. Uh Boomche Boomche. He was one, right? <laughs> uh Dikembe, obviously uh-huh. uh just great teams and then obviously w- we can get to Allen Iverson but before we do uh I sort of that I just like I love Georgetown so much and it like which made me hate Syracuse which I still do mm-hmm. which made me hate Duke which I still do mm-hmm. um I missed the whole UNC like Jordan thing like I never saw Georgetown win a championship like I was just post that but there was mm-hmm. but the Big East was just all like the Big East was just everything yeah for me as a basketball fan growing up in like elementary school and junior high especially like I 
could not fucking wait for like a Georgetown Syracuse game or a Georgetown like St. John's game. Like all of those mm-hmm. coaches just were so or Nova. Like they was just yeah. like it was my favorite part of the weekend afternoons when I was like just all I cared about was basketball. Mm-hmm. What was your what was your experience with Georgetown and John Thompson? It, it's it's similar and and to me yeah I, there was this sort of I think Georgetown was was for me as well was sort of this this, this genesis of of college basketball and like you said basketball itself. Um, I mean I had the you know we had I had the NBA because I had the Sonics and sort of watching and growing up a little bit and in sort of those early eighties and stuff and I don't I like like you I don't quite remember Georgetown losing to. To Jordan in the playoffs, or or winning the what was it, the following year then on winning the national championship. Yeah, like it it doesn't really stick in my head like remembering watching that game necessarily. But but Georgetown as as a as a brand and as as a as a cultural sort of uh, uh, relevancy was like I mean we had we had those those it was those white hats was was sort of the with the, it was it was like the circle with like the script logo or lettering of of the university like through through the cross yeah. uh, across it the hat I told the hat those were the hats like back in the 80s like mid 80s or something those were like really popular hats and like everyone wanted you always wanted the Georgetown one right and yeah. everyone else had a few a couple other ones and like you said it was most of the big and the big east basically made college basketball you know, from the from the late seventies into the in through the eighties and stuff, right? And it was the dominant league, like you said, it had the dominant into coaches. the nineties. I mean, I remember in, going to the Big East. The 90s, you're right. Big East tournament was like the ticket in at yeah. MSG, like the first like five or six years that I went. I mean, Peter and I used to go to we'd buy like single day tickets and spend an entire day in the garden just watching like all the Big East teams. And that yeah, right. I mean that was sort of that was sort of you're right. Like that was sort of the and I think Pitt had gotten in at that point in Miami. It was a little different, but it still had carried that like sort of aura. Right. And it and John Thompson, I think it, it, like if for no other reason, I think you can you can point to John Thompson being, you know, as big as the Big East was and as popular as it was and had all these great, you know, Hall of Fame really, you know, well-respected and, and coaches who have won a lot of games over the years. John Thompson was, like you said, to that point, is that he was, he see, just seemed to be the guy that sort of sort of propelled the whole thing. He was, I, I don't know if he, what, you know, he was the anchor or he was the engine, but he was, or he was both maybe, you know, like he just, he had that sort of aura and presence about him. He was also like, you know, taller than everyone else and you know and he was black and and as a coach he stood out maybe in those regards and but for good reason but you i was drawn to him and and as you were and and there was something about him that you just i I liked watching him on the sidelines coaching you know and with a towel or something maybe just he had a little bit more of a uh i don't want to call it a gimmick but he just had something where you just kind of you you were drawn to him and and i you know for him, like you said, and Georgetown was was nothing, was basically irrelevant. Like, and you, you know what Georgetown was? Georgetown was the Gonzaga before Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, so Georgetown when when John Thompson inherited the Hoyas in, yep. in, in 72, 73? They were like yeah, they were yeah, seventy two, I think. They were three and twenty three. Yeah, they hadn't made the tournament since nineteen forty three. Right. They Which they played one championship game, but then. Back in the forties, but that's basically irrelevant at that point. Yeah. He had by within three years he had the team in the NCAA tournament and yeah. like and was and like had a, a consecutive fourteen year streak of NCAA appearances. A couple of career highlights. Obviously, uh he was the um first black coach to win the NCAA mm-hmm. championship. That's no small feat. He should be remembered for that uh eternally. He was also the first black coach to coach in the 
Final Four. He was a DC native, which is mm-hmm. kind of, I think, sort of shocking that he was so prominent in the DC world. There's a, but little known fact, he's also a two-time NBA champion as the backup to uh, yeah. old Harry Russell. <laughs> Harry Bill which Russell. I don't, think, I don't think I knew that. So I, 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 didn't, I, didn't know that, I didn't know that either. I didn't realize he won championships. I also realized he didn't, the Bulls picked him in the expansion draft and he refused to play. He just retired. Huh. Yeah. So he played, he played three years in the NBA, won two championships as the caddy. That was his nickname because he always backed up Bill Russell. And then the, the Bulls tuck him in. He was like, eh, I'm out. Like just, so you'd see through John Thompson's career, you'll see those types of principles. And I mm-hmm. think that he lived by those principles. Like he became a guidance counselor, like I said before. He, I, I remember famously John Thompson had, and this is, this is all old school bullshit, but like he kept a flat basketball on his desk in his office mm-hmm. so that when players came in, he'd be like, here, pick up this ball, try to dribble it. He's like, this ball is your career without a college education. Like you just, mm-hmm. you're not going to like, mm-hmm. it will be useless. This will be, this is how far basketball will get you without a college education, which I always thought was kind of like, it's, it's hokey. But it it sort of embodies his. But he he also made that sort of ring true and be yeah you know and create a realism with that though with that hokiness like you you believed in it and and he made you and that was I, it was that that's I think the most important thing about him is that there's been a lot of other coaches throughout the history of, of college basketball and basketball itself or whatever that that have won more games have won more championships, but he. I don't think any you I I you can't make the argument that anybody had more impact I think with within that game than John Thompson did because of because of everything else that he did that was committed to making his 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 players sort of um achieve something other than probably basketball when coach or at least, K or at least keep it equal when coach K dies when Roy Williams dies when Jimmy Bayheim dies they're going to talk about championships. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about success on the court, but they're not going to talk about what they did to develop players into good people. The way that, like, the, within the, all, any of these John Thompson sort of, when you're reading, like, the John Thompson obit, you read about him going against, you know, drug dealers who were trying mm-hmm. to, like, get in with, with his crew, you know, the, uh, yeah. Rayful Edmund. Uh, you, talk, he, you learn about him against prop prop 48 which mm-hmm. i remember i remember that being mm-hmm. a huge deal i remember mm-hmm. like hit john thompson protesting prop 48 to the point where i had to learn as a kid what prop 48 was i was probably like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. i had no business being in montana learning what that was but because he was using his voice and to, to protest like how sort of corrupt that concept was for like poor not just black, but white students. Like these are the kinds of things. Like you, you. John Thompson was about it. Was about integrity first, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's. Oh, I think I don't. I don't think that's just your opinion. I think that's a pretty well-known fact. I mean, he. I, honestly, there's a, there's this whole thing about with with college coaches now. You know that has been for the last twenty years. They're always looking out for the player, right, and the player's best interests, and they want them to be leaders of men and like, you know, create these these family bonds and and like be father figures to all these players and stuff. I I believe that they took all all of that over the last however many years that they've been sort of preaching that to the media now and outwardly trying to position themselves in that regard 
they took all that from from John Thompson and what he actually did and actually believed it. And he actually like he he lived that right. He took those ideals into heart and he and he meant them and he he lived them. And I think everyone else has sort of been going like, oh, you know what? That's a, that's great. That's you know what? I should be like that or I should I should try to be like that. And they, I think they've bastardized that sort of 100 to make themselves look better. And like they are these, you know, these these leaders of these boys and, and they're molding them into men and all this stuff. And I think half the time it's complete, absolute bullshit. John Thompson was never going to be a professional coach. He never had one foot in the door of being he a tried, professional. They, they offered. Apparently always, was, always right? offered. But he had, I think he felt a devotion to a student athlete mm-hmm. more than a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So like you could put, you know, there are other coaches I think that have a similar sort of like Jay Wright, for example, we talked about him last week. He turned mm-hmm. down the, the Sixers job. I think Jay Wright believes in the student athlete. I think that there are, I think that that sort of legacy does live on with certain coaches. Sure. Brad, Brad Stevens, looking at you. Uh, right. But there I, might have been other coaches before John Thompson who probably don't get the recognition in that regard. But John Thompson, because of that personality, because of that aura, because of that, I mean, listen, that dude was he, like, he was intimidating, yet he was soft. I loved, I loved wa- listening to him. His voice. Yeah. Was like, you know, he was not, he was never a yeller. He was never loud. He just had that sort of just, I don't know, it's not even quite monotone voice, but it was just, it was, it was just cool and it was just steady. And he just, all these sort of things, you know, even watching old videos of him and he just, how he wraps his arms around his players and like Ewing and he just, he's, in, he just bear hugs him, but he's, he's doing with like, you can tell the compassion and the love he's doing it. Like, you know, like a, like it, it just, it's weird when you, when you actually watch him physically interact with his players, you can actually see, you can see the love and the care that he has for those guys. And more so than any other coach who just kind of gives a little, you know, pat on the butt or a little rub of the head or something. It's, you, I, I noticed there's a difference there. So let me, so that leads me into like sort of my final and, and, and probably obvious point is that, you know, I woke up and checked my phone as I tend to do just flipping through Instagram. And I noticed that Alan Iverson had posted this picture of him giving John Thompson, like the biggest, most sincere hug at the hall of fame induction ceremony. Mm-hmm. I broke my heart. Cause I was like, Oh shit, did John Thompson die? And I know it's been a tough year for AI cause he was close to Kobe and now he's losing John Thompson. And uh, I think he's just kind of is a, on a sense sensitive track right now. But it did make me want to go back, and, and I, I need very few excuses to do this, but I, I wanted to go back to the Hall of Fame induction um, and, and listen to Iverson's speech because I wanted to know. I know that John Thompson had inducted him along with Larry Brown, I think Dr. J, uh, and see like where in his speech he recognized John Thompson. And so I went back and listened to it. It's, uh, it's a minute into his speech. After mm-hmm. it, it's it. After like thanking the fans and thanking uh, Colangelo, who is the head of the Hall of Fame, his first thank is to John, Coach John Thompson, for saving his life. That's it. That's mm-hmm. how he says, John Thompson for saving my life, and for giving him an opportunity when no one else would. And then he tells the story about how the incident in the bowling alley turned him mm-hmm. from a top football and basketball recruit into a into a player that no one recruited, and his mm-hmm. mom had to go. And who did his mom go and talk to? His mom went and talked to the coach that she thought would actually hear her, the black mm-hmm. coach who had given other players opportunities. And that was John Thompson. And he did require some, you know, some nudging, but he, he I mean, Allen Iverson, say himself, he turned his career, gave, mm-hmm. him a, gave him a chance and turned his career around. And that, to me, 
says speaks volumes. Like that's who else? No one else did that. Mm-hmm. No one else took a took a flyer yep. on Allen Iverson. Yep. And uh, and I think that was just sort of what John Thompson did. I think yeah. that wasn't to him. He would be like, I did the same for Jeff Green, or I did the same for Sleepy Foot. Like, I I don't think he did it for the accolades. I think he did it for the people. And I think that that is something that, especially, especially for college basketball, where it just it's become less and less important in the sort of overall mm-hmm. NBA tra- like trajectory. Mm-hmm. He really played a. I I think I think I don't think we'll ever see another John Thompson. Let's just put it that way. I think he was from no. a time and place, and I'm I will miss him. There's, and I'm glad I, w- I got to see him. In, like, I'm glad I got to like experience him and his coaching in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's there's, there's no one even close to what John Thompson used to do and stand for anymore in coaching like college coaching specifically. No, right. Like the, no one's outspoken. No one, no one sort of does their own little forms of protest. Like John Thompson did like walking off the court. Like he did like prop 48. Like you said, like there's no, there's no one loud and, and, and has that, that voice. You know, and 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 that's sort of the sad thing. It, it was is where it's gone to, and, and and it's it's and like you said, no one there will be no, there'll never be another John Thompson. I I just don't think unless one of these guys you know kind of comes around and sort of sees the light a little bit, and and maybe with what's happening this 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 year and going on, maybe there's a few voices that that'll that'll sort of come out and come back around or something. But no, it's it's um. John Thompson, listen, John Thompson, he turned Georgetown into a, a cultural uh, significant relevance. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. people were, those starter jackets, right? Yeah. Those, those I mean, you said it with jackets. that white hat. Like, that's, I mean, that reads. too. I forgot, that re- you know, like, I wanted one of those Georgetown jackets, yeah. right? Everyone was wearing Georgetown in the 80s. Yeah. And, like, he won one championship. He I even forgot he went to three championships in four seasons. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. And then yeah. he never went to one after that. No, but again. he did win Coach of the but Year. Still, he won Big East Coach of the Year in 80, 87, and 92. That's, that's, a, that's relevant over a, over a decade and a half. Right. But then that's the point is like he, he kept you, everyone loved Georgetown, even though he wasn't like the most successful coach ever of all time. Right. Like he just, he made Georgetown cool and he made it in because of a purpose, because of, of, of what he stood for and what he believed in. And he, and he turned that school, uh, into something, uh, powerful when it had no business being anything at all, more than just some little, you know, little run of the mill, you know, Jesuit college. college. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. That's really well said, Chris. Thanks. Uh, there's a weird pivot we can do right here, um, since we're talking about coaches, uh, that I think I'm going to go ahead and try. Okay. Because as I'm driving to drop my wife off for work today, I'm listening to Pittsburgh Sports Radio. And I had to listen to this guy on the radio rant on about how dangerous and and horrible Stephen A. Smith is for suggesting that the hiring of co- of new coach Steve Nash by the Brooklyn Nets was an example of white privilege, and that and this Pittsburgh sports radio guy said that in a time of social injustice, that for Stephen A. Smith to make these types of comments that are not not based in fact, and he gave the example that. Nine out of the last 16 coaches that were hired without any experience were black, although he put Jason Kidd in there, which I feel like is a stretch. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get your thoughts, or if you even had any thoughts on Steve. I'm sure you saw Stephen A. Smith's mm-hmm. 
I did see I was actually watching it live. And then I also wanted to sort of get your thoughts on, on how you feel about Steve Nash as a as a coach for your Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> All right. So normally um normally I would be sort of outraged, you know, and 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 use this as a, 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 a as as a blatant example of, of white privilege, right? Like Steve Nash coming out of nowhere getting a head coaching job, you know, when, when apparently there's all these other well-qualified, you know, coaches. Like Ty Lue. Stephen A. did give the best examples of good coaches out there. But, Mark Jackson but, and Ty Lue. I was like, Ooh, all right, maybe Chauncey. I do want to be a little fair on this one because I, I think this one is a, is, a, is a little bit more nuanced than just sort of that as well, right? Like the, the Nets didn't just go, hey, let's hire like my best friend over here. No. And Stein, Steve Nash, you know, because we're friends and whatnot. Oh, even though they are. Um, but, you know, Sean Marks, who is the GM of the Nets, he did play with Nash and Phoenix. So there's a relationship there and they've remained close. Yep. Right. But then it turns, you know, Nash did work in Golden State as a as a sort of a developmental coach. A fu- you know, he's, he's never been, on the he's been with the, the team for five years as a player development cons. Uh, what's uh, it called? Consultant. Or consultant yeah. yeah. So, right. yeah. At, at, bit, during, during which he became very close with Kevin Durant. Right. So, you know, he's, he's had this, and he also, he, he also like oversaw a Canadian, the Canadian basketball, um, uh, national team. Yeah. Right. And so he, he's, he's had a hand. It's not like he hasn't been doing anything. He's just stepped away from the game and that whatnot. So he has to be coaching back like soccer. He's definitely coached some soccer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah, he has a soccer <laughs> charity tournament in New York. Yeah, like exactly. That, right? or so he's yeah, doing something like that. He's been he's actually been doing like I think for, for like on uh, TNT or TBS as as like partnership with like Bleacher Report doing like the like the Euro Soccer League stuff. So he's like the studio analyst for that. He's done a little bit actually. I've seen him on on TV doing that. Um, but anyway, he's so he's he's still been around the game, and and it, there there's a. There's a level, you know, with and so with the, the time with Durant, then is obviously they've become very close. Durant respects him a lot, um, and he, you know, even apparently signed off on this whole thing. And so there's, see, I know, think he, I think more than sign off, I think that I think that he influenced this decision. Okay, I, yeah, that's totally. that's my that's my take. I think that Durant played much more of a role in this than worse. Like I, the sign off, like maybe Kyrie, but I feel like Durant. This was a this was a Durant play, and. And I think that in order for your team to get in line with what they need to be next year, if you're, if your superstars are like Jacques Vaughn's not the guy, we won't respect him, but yeah. Steve Matt Nash is like, this is a superstar driven league. You have to listen to that. Right. 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 And if Tyrone Lou isn't going to cut it either, then I mean, they said they, you know, they were, there's a reason why they were talking about Popovich, you know, before, right. And all these rumors about Popovich, right. you know, for, for months here now, you know, they were, they were, they had to sort of shoot big and I, and you're, that's, you're exactly right then because I think Durant had a huge influence and also speaks to like how important and, and, and Durant is then right. Then obviously he is the leader, right. And it's not Kyrie. Kyrie can talk all he wants and say all the things that he wants and about what this team needs and does and stuff, but this team moves and flows through Durant then basically at this point. Right. And if that wasn't obvious from before, it's obvious with this hire of Nash then, because you're, you're absolutely right. I shouldn't have said he signed off on it. I think he, I think he was much more significant importance there as well. So that, um, I I agree with that. But even like, but the, the, the relevance of, of Nash though is, is, is even more important when you, when you start talking, you start learning about how he's actually well-respected and liked 
throughout the league, man. Like you, even when we, uh, you even told me to listen to that, the, the knuckleheads podcast, right. With, yeah. uh, Quentin Richardson and, um, D miles. Yeah. And Darius miles. Right. And they had Nash on there and they, they, they have so many stories and so much respect for him. Just yeah. you, you hear that just talking to him yeah. and how he, those two OGs, those two OGs could sit there and have a conversation with Steve Nash and, and it's Steve Nash does not, break character he stays exactly where he is and they stay exactly where they are and they just have a fluid conversation about basketball because that respect is there he's mm-hmm. been there like that 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 i to- i've forgotten about that you're totally fucking right like those dudes they loved him because he was a leader he stood up for them when he was i think he was a teammate with was it richardson in, yeah. in dallas or something yeah i think it was like he Phoenix. got he helped him get paid a contract yeah Right. So there, there's there's a huge I think there's a huge unknown level of respect that most fans probably don't realize with Steve Nash and everybody sort of else in this league. Um, and, so, and I think, you know, he doesn't Nash doesn't have to sort of be the best X's and O's coach. Right. And that's not what coaching is anymore in the NBA, basically. Right. It's 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 more relationships and communications. And that's what this is. This is the gamble on that Nash can do that kind of like what, you know, whether Steve Nur, uh, uh, Steve Kerr. Or, or if it's Popovich or who, any of these other guys who kind of have come along maybe lately and had success with teams, it's, it's, and maybe he, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's a brilliant offensive minded or defensive minded coach, or he knows who to hire or bring in to help him kind of those kinds of things. Maybe he has that sort of just other level of, of sort of knowledge and, and ideas that, that, uh, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's, he's, he's worked in golden state. So he has that sort of system in place potentially, you know, he's, he was the one that basically, you know, helped Dan Tony sort of create or think of the offense that they did in, in, in Phoenix, right. To sort of have this open running sort of system, you know, like I think he was the impetus for that because of his abilities and his, his, his leadership and, 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 and on court abilities. I, so, so let me ask you a question. Are you in favor of this hire as a Nets fan? I, you know what? I, yeah, I am. Right. Cause I, I you know, I, I am because I, I think it's, uh, it could, you know, it, I am. I mean, best, I definitely am. The I, best. Uh, possible. I think for every reason you just said, I think that the respect, I think that like, you know, there's the superstar element. I think that I, I think that the, the candidates available, I think I, 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 like I said, when it comes to, so when it comes to the, the, the Stephen A. Smith thing, his Mm -hmm. job is to make takes and, and some of his takes are right. Some of his takes are wrong. Some of his takes don't matter. He, this is something he felt passionate about. He said it. I don't think it does. I, I don't think it is dangerous by any means. I don't necessarily agree that this is an example of white privilege. I think that that's demeaning to Steve Nash. And I think Stephen A maybe just wanted to like fly off the handle a little bit. Um, and I think his examples were just trash. I just like when I like, I was like, God, I wish like he just didn't have the, he didn't have the information to back up the argument. Um, and that's to me was, it was the, breaking that news to me going off the top of his that, head. Here, and so that, exactly. Exactly. It was just his, it was his knee jerk. And that's what we pay him for. Like we pay, like we, we watch him be, for, for, for his tirades and it, they're not all going to fucking, and they're not all going to like make you feel great and warm and fuzzy. Like they're not, they're, and they're not all going to be right. That's the that's the nature of being a talking head. I just don't think it's dangerous. And I hate listening to fucking bobo heads and the fucking drive time sports conversation. Just in a in a town that doesn't give a fuck about basketball, yeah. mind you. Right. Uh, 
sit there and say it's dangerous. Like, I just don't think it is dangerous. I think having that conversation is important. May not be right, but it's important. So here's, here's I, what I'll say. Cause I, you, cause you actually texted me what was going on and I didn't, I didn't have the TV on. You I thought I was, had a stroke by the way, which was hilarious. <laughs> Well, you were saying something about Nash being like doing. I said following like in Jason Kidd's, Kidd's footsteps again because they they you know f- because they were traded for each other. Yeah, I, right. I know. And then I was like, I don't understand what you mean. And then I and then you you texted again. And I was like, oh, so I turned the TV on and just happened to come on to ESPN and it was the first take and Stephen A. Smith was it was literally just like going off about it and stuff, right? And then you know, there's other guys that sort of started like kind of trying to correct him a little bit and being like, listen, you know, like. Jason Kidd got a job without any experience, uh, previous experience. And then I saw other examples. Derek of Mark Fisher. Mark, you know, Derek Fisher. Yeah, Derek Fisher. Isaiah Thomas got it. Right? Well, Mark Jackson's the best one because he said that was one of his examples of a black coach that needs to be hired. Yet Mark Jackson is an example of a coach who got hired without any coaching experience. Right. Like Doc Rivers, I think, I believe was hired. He was. Any experience. He was. You know, so, um, and it goes both ways, right? Steve Kerr, there was Vinny Del fucking Negro was hired. There were six, there have been 16. And if you think Jason Kidd's black, then nine of them were black. I don't <laughs> yeah, think Jason, I don't understand. Like, is Jason Kidd black? I don't, I don't like, what am I missing here? Is he? <laughs> yeah, man, come on. He is? Dude looks so, so white to me. He's so white. I'm just, what, the problem I have though here is that this, this is sort of like, they were, they were talking up Tyron Lue. Right. And, and, and I, I, there's no blame here necessarily, but you know, Tyrone, like, I don't even know if Tyrone got an interview at this point. Right. You know, but he was a legitimate coach and, and Jock Vaughn, they were just saying like Shams, uh, Sharina, uh, the writer for, you know, like NBA writer who breaks a lot of news and stuff. If I'm saying his name, right. Like there was even an article published, uh, I think on the Nets, uh, Nets daily, like blogs website that was saying that like, he just he just broke a story that was saying like that you know Vaughn was uh, or the Nets were very impressed with Vaughn's uh, interview, and he seemed to probably be the leading candidate. And all of a sudden, and then like within an hour, all of a sudden there was like Steve Nash was hired, right? And so I sort of do have this problem. There's I think there's a bigger there's still a problem. Obviously, like this hasn't all of a sudden just appeared up about you know sort of not getting enough chances as as coaches who are black, right? Um, and you know there's. It it just seems like it, it there is a there is a stigma or a little unfairness of of sort of the uh, the process to to hiring coaches who are black and and you know like there there was to some point during the season here there was eight coaches and now they're down to five and three of those those guys who are who were either fired or let go or whatever. Or didn't get rehired, I guess, in Vaughn's case. It's like they won't be actually be coaching next year. Yeah. Like McMillan, he got fired apparently on his own terms. He said he's not looking to coach next season. Alvin Gentry was fired from from the Pelicans. But that's because this stinks. was his fifth head coaching job since yeah. like the late nineties. So I think he's had his chance. You know, but but that also doesn't let other I feel like that sort of there's a stigma there that goes, all right, well, you know, like now I got to look for someone else. Right. And, and someone different. Right. And, and I feel like there's this, um, there's this weird, um, it's, it's a sort of like one and done mentality, you know, that sort of, it, it becomes sort of an ebb and flow effect of like hiring black coaches. There was, there was 14 black head coaches in, in 2012. 
right? And now they're only eight. And instead of sort of like gaining more ground and more footing, it seems like it kind of slips away. So it, like I, think, I said, it ebbs and flows. I think that there's a, I think there's a dangerous trend happening in the NBA, which is, is mimicking what happened in the NFL, which is hiring young white, like statisticians, mm-hmm. like as coaches, like mm-hmm. new, Analytics fresh analytic driven coaches, the, the McVeighs and the fucking all those yahoos that like mm-hmm. you know have mm-hmm. zero experience, but they're young and they're white and and it looks nice on a on a stat sheet for for your execs, um, and I think that that's dangerous. I I I don't. I mean, Alvin Gentry can go fuck himself. Like he's had way too many chances. But I think that I think that Vaughn deserves another chance. I think Fizdale deserves another chance. I think there are plenty of. I think there are plenty of black candidates that should be able to be coaches. And I, I, I think it is disappointing to see like Steve Nash get a, an opportunity when there are, when there are potentially great coaches that are, that are black in the, that are available in the league. I'd like to see Jerry Stackhouse get a chance. I'd like yeah. to see, you know, there, there, there are, I'd, I'd like to see Chauncey get a chance. And mm-hmm. honestly, Ty Lue does deserve another chance. And I, I'm hopeful that Philly takes a black coach. I, I, I hope that they fill that vacancy with somebody that isn't some another Brett Brown, for example, Um, or another Nick nerds or another Budenholzer or another fucking Brad Stevens, which is like the list goes on and on. How many fucking geeky white young Christians can we have coaching in this fucking league? Like Mm -hmm. I I get Stephen A's frustration. I just don't think this was the right. Like, I don't think going after Nash, a hall of fame, player with a ton of respect was the right was the right time it wasn't he should have waited for like he should have waited for you know for philly to to fuck up and then gone after them if this was some guy from like miami heat's video department who gets hired because the guy has a ton of potential and respect throughout the heat you mean spo yeah that's exactly how spo got hired right but that's but that i think that's to your point is like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the trend that seems to be happening it's like some of these guys who are like you know, starting out in those positions and kind of grinding their way through and then all of a sudden making a few leaps and jumps here over some other guys who don't get a chance. And, and that's why I was, I was sort of like making this sort of ebb and flow sort of, uh, comparison is, I, I feel like you're, it's, it's becoming more of like, you know, when it's, it's almost more like the comparison when coaches get hired for their sort of perceived offensive, defensive innovations, yeah, you know, like whether yeah. it's football or basketball, right? And they're like, oh, well, this guy's really great. Uh, he's got he's got this really, you know, it's like Thibodeau. Like he was a mastermind defensive coach, right? So yeah. he should get a shot, right? But that's a that's a that's sort of a that's more of a fad, right? Of like, oh, let's hire this guy because you know, offensive or defensive like ideas or innovations or something like that, right? And it's sort of an indictment, I believe, in the organizations that you're you're hiring a black coach because you're like, oh, that's the trendy thing to do right now. Yeah. You know, and then it and then it becomes not. So then they stop hiring, right? And then then there, there's very few coaches, and I, I, that's what scares me most about all this stuff is that they treat this more as a fad and 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 a and and sort of a, a just sort of mirroring what other successful teams are doing instead of actually giving guys legitimate head coaching jobs. You know, there's a there's the guy who's uh, Vanderpool, I think is his last name. I can't think of his first name. He's the assistant coach for Minnesota, but he was he was a longtime assistant in Portland, and he was. He was like Damian Lillard's like sort of like guy, sort of mentor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he worked with Damian Lillard a lot and stuff. And, but, you know, he was a, a long time assistant head coach in Portland. Always got sort of interviews, but they just, you know, maybe they start feeling like sort of token interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And Ro- now he, Rooney he, rule interviews. 
Yeah, exactly, right? And that's sort of the problem is that they, they're just doing this. And that's sort of what I hate about this this Nets thing is that they just were sort of seem like they maybe they were placating, you know, giving interviews or talking up certain guys or Jacques Vaughn. Like they love Jacques Vaughn apparently so much that they wanted to hire him as a head as assistant head coach to Steve Nash. Yeah. Right. Instead of giving him the job, they didn't love him that much. Right. So that's that's where I don't like this whole process and this whole thing here is and the unfairness in that regard is it's that so now you're willing to pay Jacques Vaughn top money. Like apparently he's gonna get he's gonna be the highest paid assistant coach in the league. Great. But you also didn't have to right away sign him to that contract. Maybe let him try to get some other interviews to see if he could get another head coach. Maybe. I also right? feel like he probably was like, great, I'll take it. And also Maybe. like, I think Maybe. that, I think that the existing players actually like him. And if Nash was like, yeah, I want him. Like that says a lot to me too. I think that the continuity works. It that makes does, sense. That, it, right. And I, and I don't disagree with that necessarily, but at the same time, if that was the case, you can be like, all right, Jacques, like you want your opportunity. You got a, you got a place here. You got a, you got a contract here. Take a few weeks or a month if you want to, you know, try to if you want to try to find a head coaching job. If you want to try to get one of those jobs, great. We'll support you. We'll even put your name out there and help push you. But instead, they just sort of wrapped it up right away, and that to me feels a little sort of crappy. I don't know. It just it just the optics of it, I guess, a little bit just doesn't seem it doesn't sit well with me necessarily either for some reason. Okay. Well, and that's that's more where I'm. It's those kinds of things where the sort of the business of coaching sort of gets in the way here a little bit of like, well, we just got to do this and we got to do this now. And this is what we're doing. We're going to interview Vaughn, but we don't actually really want to hire him because we want, we want Steve Nash. And if you want a Steve Nash, then just go ahead and say like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we've got a few ideas here. We're, you know, I don't know the, uh, the Nets also are a very secret organization, right? So the, there was no leaks. And apparently this has been going on for months. They've been courting Steve Nash and trying to convince him to do this. I mean, impressive that they got people to bite on the Popovich shit. I, uh, we got to go to NFL, so we should, okay. and we've already spent a ton of time on two top on basketball because that's who we are. Right. We need, and I, our fans are dying for our NFL predictions. I know, <laughs> and we we don't want to leave them hanging. I will say this one more thing, uh, because I say it every time we talk about NBA coaches: hire Becky Hammond. Just fucking do it. Just do it. Take Be the team. Be the team. Alvin Gentry has had twenty-seven fucking job opportunities. Like. <laughs> Like Tom Thibodeau, for Christ's fucking sake. Yeah. Like, does Tom Thibodeau really deserve Take a, a waiver on Becky Hammond. She, bitch has been coaching for fucking seven years on a very successful team under the coach. The, I mean, she's. You're going to hire Brett Brown and you're not going to hire Becky Hammond? Like, give me a fucking break. Hire Becky Hammond. Do it. Be the team. Break those lines. Let's do it. Come on. I implore you. Come on, Sixers. Come on, Sixers. God, that'd be so amazing. Um, all right. So. In the least delicate pivot of all time, let's talk about the NFL. We started the show talking about it. We might as well end the show talking about it. Every year we do this around this time. We predict who's going to win the divisions and who's going to be in the wild card teams. We're never right. Uh, never. But this might be the year. Who we're knows? Kind of right sometimes. Yeah, we get a couple right. We're we yeah. we we. we we nose our way into a couple sleepers from time to One time. Out of ten isn't bad. So this is going to take. I'm going to try to keep this under half an hour if I can. If I have any say, and, and yeah, I know. But let's just jump right into it because uh, I, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go ahead and start from the top of the list here. So this is this is a an interesting season. Obviously, COVID is is playing a role in uh, how long the season lasts. <laughs> Who plays when? How like I don't know how they're gonna work. Like if a team has a breakout, um, 
Obviously, there's been a lot of movement. I think we're going to see a higher level of injuries this season, which means that predicting the who's going to win conferences and wild cards is stupid. It's stupider this year than it ever has been. But mm-hmm. that being yeah. said, let's just jump into the uh, the American Football Conference and start with the AFC East because, hey, it's it's a fun one. You got your you got your Patriots, you got your Bills, you got your Jets, you got your Dolphins. Chris, I'm gonna give you this one first. Uh, who do you like to win the AFC East? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of base these off of of odds from DraftKings. Oh, I like it. Right, so the Buffalo's plus one twenty, Patriots are plus one thirty. Okay. So even with all this, and, and Miami is plus eight hundred with what, the Jets what, are. Jets are even back farther. Further um, than okay, good, interesting. Too. Plus eight fifty. I I think that I think the Jets are in trouble actually this year. I think I think a lot is going wrong with the Jets. Um, so we could we can maybe leave them for a little bit later, but I think it's really interesting that as far as as much as everyone's been talking up Buffalo, and really sort of propping them up and saying like you know it's their time to win this division and without Tom Brady and the Patriots and they lost a lot of I believe on defense as well New England did, that they're only. What like I, I don't even know how what you would say this, but only like 10, 10 points below or you know just past Buffalo here at yeah. plus one thirty like that's that's incredible to me. Like I, I and I'm not even sure I believe with Cam Newton. I guess those odds maybe increased or helped a little bit, but I think from last time I checked, like a couple months ago, it wasn't that big of a difference. So, uh, as much as I want to take Buffalo, I'm not entirely sold on them either. And for the for the one reason specifically. Uh, They're Buffalo. The Bills will play a, t- a tougher schedule, and they went one and four versus playoff teams last year. Hmm. You know, and Josh Allen is nice for fantasy leagues, but maybe not so much in real football, right? And if you know, they they made a big trade for Stephon Diggs and, and gave up a lot of draft picks for him. But I'm not sure like how he works, and with Josh Allen, if they're actually going to be able to sort of get the best out of each other. But I also don't necessarily want to take Cam Newton in the Patriots either, though. <laughs> okay. So I think and so if there's going to be one sort of wild card here, why not shoot for Miami at plus 800? All right. To win the fucking conference? To win the division. Okay. I mean, to win the division. All right. That's it. I'm making a note of that. because I mean, this one's sort of a toss-up, right? There's, there's two teams here. It's probably going to be New England, but... If if I'm gonna take one team here and if I'm gonna gamble on it, I might as well go big here with Miami at plus eight hundred. Okay, so that's who you're predicting to win the conference or to win the East. <laughs> I can't predict anybody because I don't. This this one's too crazy, too wide open here. Yeah. So I might as well take it from a gambling perspective and just sort of bet on on the Dolphins. Okay, I fucking a. That's great. I love it. <laughs> I think you sort of spoke to my point on this before. Uh, prove prove me pr- until Bill Belichick loses. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a fucking right? MVP for a quarterback, and and I actually think Stidham might. I I my prediction is I think Stidham starts before the end of the season. I I just I'm I'm still I think Cam is shaky. I don't think the Patriots are shaky. I think the Patriots are just fine. They will find a way to cheat their way to ten wins. I I'm <laughs> I I don't. I mean, plus one thirty isn't enough for me to get a hard on for, but definitely give me the Pats in that division. I like straight up. Like, just, I want the Pats. Okay. Well, here's, here's the other thing, though. So right now, I think Patriots are, it's uh, over-under is eight and a half. Yeah. That's um, money. That's money in the bank. You think over? Over, for sure. Eight and a half? 
Bill Belichick, eight and a half. When was the last time Bill Belichick lost, had eight wins? Uh, oof, that's, I don't think he's had. You have to go before Matt Castle, probably. Like that's but probably. Here's, like, here's my question: Is is Tom Brady worth four, a four win differential? Hey, Chris, I don't know if you saw. Tom Brady fucking licked games. my balls last year, and they won. They won twelve games. Like Tom Brady was straight dog shit last year, and you could say that was an offensive line, but I, I'm sorry. Like I, I just I can't. I can't. I just can't. I. They did. Okay, so they did. That's not they a did. difference maker to me. That does. That's not a difference maker to me. It okay. just. It so just Cam isn't. Newton and Stidham won't have kind of anywhere near the the command of the offense that Brady does. Right, and Brady doesn't do anything great, but he he he's steady. He steadies the ship. He doesn't do anything bad. The last time Bill Belichick was under eight wins in a season was two thousand. That was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. His yeah, first year in New England. You're gonna sit here. And here's, tell here's me the, that he's okay, going to so lose eight. Get, he's going to. Yeah. Okay. Is under eight and a half is only plus 123. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's not. Which actually it, means that Vegas thinks that that is, there's a, there's a slight, there's a pretty decent possibility that they, that happens actually. Right. Cause they didn't upgrade the receivers or the running. And players. they lost a lot of COVID players. I get it. They lost there's, a lot of COVID players. The secondary might be the same. But I'm not saying I'm smarter than Vegas. I'm saying that seems like a I'm good bet. I'm not sure the defense can repeat at playing at a high level like they did last year. I agree with all of that. And believe me, if they fucking don't, I'll be the first one to throw a fucking parade. Like, I don't want them to win. I just know the Patriots <laughs> win. The Patriots win me money. The Patriots win me money. You don't bet against. And that's the overriding factor here is you don't bet against Belichick. Yeah. That dude is the one guy that can beat Vegas because he can beat everybody because he's the ultimate cheater. He's the greatest <laughs> cheater that there ever was. He's a, he's a first ballot cheater Hall of Fame like he might be on the board. He might already be on the board. I think he, I think he created it. I think he's the founding father. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, you got your AFC North here. That's the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals for people that are new to this. Yep. Uh, NFL thing. Uh, I, I'm gonna guess we're both gonna choose the Ravens. No. N- to win the division or to oh, win the conference, or sorry, the division. You. Uh, I'm speechless. I the Ravens are just so good, and I'm sure they might taper off a little bit. I love the J.K. Dobbins signing. I love Marquise Brown. I I think that they. I just I I think that the Ravens are probably the best team in the NFL. I that's my thinking. I I don't. I that's all I have to say. Like Chris, tell me why you don't agree. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I, here's like, there's always a regression to the mean, right? So every team, like, you know, Kansas city, like uh, two years ago, right? Like they sort of came down off of that amazing run and, and like Mahomes and like putting up all these stats and numbers. Like there's always, there's always an ebb and flow to these teams and from year to year. Right. And so, and I'm not saying like Baltimore's going to be crap. I, I, they've got too much talent. I think they're incredible. I think people can maybe sort of slow down or figure out maybe the Baltimore's offense a little bit more. Maybe it's not as sort of dynamic because they're not kind of catching people by surprise because people are like, oh, we can just play our defense and we'll contain them because that's what we do and that's how good our defense is. And everyone kind of started to get run on and then everyone's like, oh, crap. You know, like I think now everyone, usually a year later, everyone has like a, a better idea of how to game plan for them or whatnot. So is is Baltimore going to win? What did they What did they win? 12, 13 games last year? They won 14 games. They 14 finished games. the game on a 12-game winning streak. 
Yeah, which is incredible. Like, and that's really hard to repeat too. I guess. Of course, like, right? I don't expect that. I don't expect so, them at, that of them. Here's so the 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 interesting thing I think, especially with team win totals on DraftKings, is Pittsburgh has a over nine is is minus one twenty, which means they think they should win ten games at least. Okay. Baltimore has an under eleven of minus one hundred six. Yeah. They also have an over eleven of minus one fifteen. But so they're basically it's, it's almost even there that they'll go eleven wins over under eleven wins. Pittsburgh has a a cakewalk of a schedule minus interleague players. If Roethlisberger's back and healthy, that offense is going to be is going to be so much better and impressive. And with that defense still being pretty good, I think I think there's a there's the there's a there's a chance there that Pittsburgh's going to give Baltimore a huge run, maybe eke out one or two more wins here. Like Baltimore is is it so incredible? Like Baltimore, even three wins, losing or three less less wins from the following year, like that that puts Pittsburgh in a really good position. Also, I kind of wanted to take Cleveland at plus five hundred for the yeah. division, just on the off chance that they just sort of make this big surprise here. Don't they like, have I'm, to be good? Don't they like? Don't they have to be good now? Like I, I, I like the I like the Browns because I just feel like they ha- like they just can't be bad. Like there's just no way they could be this bad. Yeah, they they have to be a little bit better. They won uh, how many games? They won seven games last six year. Six games that, last. Six year. games with all that mess, and disaster. Like yeah, but I mean you could say the same thing about Pittsburgh. They won eight games with like way bigger mess. Like I I mean yeah, but they didn't have. A, I mean they didn't they. Well, yeah, all right. I guess you could make sort of a similar comparison there. But they also, but and that's and that's where I'm taking. Okay, so that's where I'm taking the next step up with Pittsburgh. Then is they if Roethlisberger's back, they get that offense. I'm trusting that offense way more and that talent way more than I am Cleveland. So I'll, I'll take. I'm taking Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll take Pittsburgh to win the division. Why not? Okay, I'm gonna stick with the Ravens because I'm not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I watch too many goddamn Steeler games. The the team's fucking boo. I know. Listen, Pittsburgh plus three fifty to win the division. I'm taking that. No fucking way. But like, uh, okay. Like, move on. uh, Yeah, I hope you're right. Uh, so we're going into my favorite AFC South. Yeah. Uh, you got your Texans. You got your Titans. You got your Colts. You like you got your Jags. Chris, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, because I'm dying to know who you like. All right, so the Jaguars are out. Obviously, I mean they're tanking. Obviously, yeah, they're they're blowing it. They're yeah, they're hope they're yeah they're trading everybody. They're getting rid of everybody. Uh, I'm I'm not so entirely. Hmm, see, this one's weird. It's Tennessee, definitely weird. It's been weird for ten fucking years. Yeah, right. And it's hard to call. Like Tennessee again. Are they going to have the same year? That no, probably not. Odds are great. Uh, the Texans should be a complete shit show. They will be. Right, like, but oh, but here's the thing: we've been saying this for years too now, though. With Bill, but Bill it's O'Brien. gotta happen. They do it. Ha- I mean, it's gotta happen, right? Like, did, uh, Deshaun yeah, Watson's here's, great. Here's but, the thing: they have Deshaun Watson, and if yeah. you have a, a really amazing, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you overcome pretty much everything else. Agreed. Right? It's it's always what they say about the 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 Seattle Seahawks, right? Is they can't win games. They don't have talent. Their defense sucks. They have no offensive weapons. Blah 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 blah. Well, Russell Wilson propels that team. To more always sort of probably overachieving in everyone else's mind, basically, right? Yeah. Why can't not not same principle then be applied to Houston and Deshaun Watson? Oh God. Plus, everyone else is like, listen. You're probably Colts, right. You're probably right. The Colts. I'll, I'll end up taking the Colts at plus one twenty to win the division because it's the safe 
bet, and they have probably the most talent across the board. And like, the best coach. They, yeah, think... the best coach. And like, but but they also have like Philip Rivers here. You know, and like, is Philip Rivers so dynamic and so incredible anymore that he's gonna he's gonna make that offense so I, much better? Than I it think was he's last? good enough. I think he's good enough. I think he's worth two oh, wins. Brady effect, I think he's too worth two wins. I think I think. I think they're becoming a nine and seven team, and typically that's enough to win the AFC South. Yeah, yeah. I like right. the Colts. I mean, I don't like them, but that's who I'm choosing. I don't, yeah. I don't like, and I feel like there's all there. We have to remember, like that, like so far we're picking team besides the Dolphins, which is insanity. Like these are all, we're taking teams that are made it last year for the most part. So, well, actually, you have not. You took Pittsburgh and and the Dolphins. So like you might you're and if you're taking the Colts, you're actually taking three teams to win the division that didn't make the playoffs last year, which is actually the smart way to play the NFL because there's not a lot of repeat customers, especially in the lower like 9 and 7, 10 and 6 range. Yeah. I think the Colts get to 10 wins. And I, and and I I think they're they'll be able to control the games, they can run it and then they can pass when they need to with Philip Rivers, but hopefully they don't have to rely on him. And their defense should be improved and good enough where they just, they're just going to kind of be consistent throughout the year, you know, win two out of three games or something like that or whatever, three out of four. And, and they get to about 10 wins. They're not incredible, but they might be kind of a sneaky, good Super Bowl pick maybe. Huh. Right. I don't know. I so I'm going to play this one a little safer. I'm going to say the Colts here. I take the Although, Colts as well. I'm just, I just think everyone's dismissing the Texans. And I feel and, you. You could take them as your wild card team. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I can't. I just can't bring myself to do it because it's Bill fucking O'Brien, and I just I can't. I can't with him anymore. So we might as well just say we're both taking the Chiefs because they're the best team in football, uh, yeah. right? This is that's a blanket yep. statement. Uh, you want to you want to tell me your 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 wild card choices for the uh, for the AFC, or do you want to move into the NFC and just take your take the division winners and then do a wild card pick 'em round? Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, let's you go to the do, NFC. You want, okay, so the NFC. So so far we're we we are we agree with two teams, we don't agree with two teams, but I don't think either one of us is like, you're fucking out of your mind. Like I watch <laughs> I, I like sometimes I turn on the TV and do a little workout and uh and I put on like skip is that is it Skip and, and Shannon? Who are the Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, the Fox. Holy cow. They I did a thirty minute workout, those two found a way to talk for 30 minutes about whether or not the Eagles or Cowboys were going to win the NFC East. And we, we, we know how to stretch. Don't get me wrong. We did 20 minutes on Alan Alda last week. But, but holy cow, they were, just not, they were just talking in circles. I was like, how? Do, like, this isn't, like, it was just the worst fucking TV. There was no analysis at all. It was just two guys goading each other to fill time. It was crazy to watch. It was crazy watch. I didn't, and I learned nothing. Like I don't have, I, I don't have a better, I don't have an opinion about either one of these. Now I'm just more confused. Like, so personally, I'm going to jump in this one. The Cowboys to me are, are going to have an amazing regular season. Will Mike McCarthy do anything in the playoffs? Probably not. But to me, Dallas is like, 12 and four. I think that they are going to just roll. I think that they are going to play with, without the ginger at the helm. I think that they're, they've got all of the weapons necessary to beat a janky fucking division. And, uh, I mean, I haven't looked at their schedule, but I, 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 to me, I just feel like this is the obvious choice. Chris, you tell me what you think. 
You're right. It seems like the obvious choice. And it, it seems almost impossible for this team with all the talent that they have, apparently, that they've collected and amassed and given contracts to, to everybody. Like, they they have to they how are they not the super bowl favorites basically too because they are the dallas cowboys right yeah they're, they're, they're well, they are america's team they are america's team but they're always they're always the Amer- like that's why skip and shannon can talk about them for for hours on end you know and about nothing basically because you can everybody wants to talk about the cowboys and everyone wants to believe in the cowboys but the cowboys keep shooting themselves in the foot every year year yeah. after year after year they've had talent for the last couple of years now and they can't ever do anything about it they switch coaches to another like overrated milk toast exactly and i'm just i like i they always do something right and and right now like you know DraftKings has them at uh i think over under at nine nine wins or nine and a half i think maybe um dallas nine and a half over is minus 150 so obviously you know they're going to be able to they should put up some wins uh and get to 10 wins and whatnot but if you look down at Philly, right now, they're over nine at minus 134 as well. So they expect Philly to be really good, too. So I'm going to take Philly. Why not? Because uh, Dallas, I, I, everyone always wants to believe in Dallas. Everyone always wants to you know, say Dallas is going to win the Super Bowl this year. But again, um, I'm going to play the odds here and say that doesn't happen. I, I, okay, so here's why I disagree with you. And it's it um, and it's the same argument you could probably make against Dallas being winners, but like they, it looks like they're playing the Seahawks division, right? So that means they've got to play against teams that could potentially be very good in San Francisco, Seattle, I guess the Rams and maybe Arizona, right? So that's the division that they have to play against. Uh, McCarthy goes or the then then they then the Eagles have Green Bay, who's potentially a an All Star t- or a, sorry a playoff team. That's their one of their their loose games, and then they've got Cleveland, which also could potentially be a playoff team. Uh, that seems like a tough schedule to me. Um, I and New Orleans, sorry. So I just based on schedule, based on the fact that Carson Wentz can never stay healthy. I just, I just yeah. feel like Cowboys are the. It's it really just boils down be. to that. They should be. They should. They should be the odds in favor. They should be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. I don't even know what the Super Bowl odds are. We're um, Cowboys are what two, four, f- sixth. So if Carson Wentz goes down, Nate Nate Sudfeld is your second is your second back. If if Dak goes down, you got you got the red well, the red rider. Yeah, two, true. three, four. Whoa, holy cow. That was, oh, that was yeah. ESPN. ESPN count, counting me in for Andy Dalton. <laughs> Let's go, Andy Dalton. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with my pick, uh, and I think I'm right. Uh, just like uh, Skip Bayless. <laughs> also, Skip Bayless looks – when did he just turn 1,000? Like, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched, like, watched in a while, but, like, he – He's an old man. He's just an old man with a weird yeah. red wig. Like he looks yeah. crazy. And a stupid like cross chain over his sweater or whatever. Yeah, dude. Turtleman. Oh, he dresses yeah. like a fucking trash house. Uh, uh, NFC North. Yes. Chris, I'm letting you pick this one first because I know who you like. Oh man, do you? Yeah, I know. Who I you want like. you to. Know, I this is this is my okay. I want you to. I want you to th- tell me who you think I'm gonna pick. I think you're gonna take the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. I this one is the hardest one for me of all the divisions. 
because I don't like any of these teams, actually. Minnesota yeah. lost a lot of defense, uh, a lot of veteran players, uh, Stephon Diggs. Their offensive line is, is probably shaky at best, and it seems to be every other year they're inconsistent. Yeah. Um, their defense got better. I don't know. I don't think the defense got better at all. Okay. Um, I think they cut a lot of guys. I think they're going with a, a, a very young, you know, cornerback tandems. I don't even know who their cornerbacks are. I think they, they, cut, they lost a couple of guys on the defensive line. Like they may have picked up a couple other guys, but I'm not sure how this, how it sort of evens out or equates. So yeah. no, so, so no Vikings process of elimination, Chicago my, bears, Chris. Uh, I, you know what? If I can't, I can't, I just can't go that far. Surprising that eight far. and eight team. Like, yeah. Believe it or not. Last year, right. Who's now the starter there? Is it Mitch or is it Nick? No one's no one's been named yet. They won't name him until like. Oh well, that's a fucking. Then that that means no. That that's team, a bad Yeah, that's a bad Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is 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 trying to I think just do Aaron Rodgers dirty. Yeah, what's up with that? Right, like they're just trying to take you know what he does best away from him and try to run the ball, force running the ball kind of thing here, and like the stupid. Uh, dumbed down version of, of the San Francisco offense, basically. Right. And, and I, so I don't, I don't trust them. And they also won. how many games did they win last year? 12 or 13. 13 like they had yeah. an incredible season. Last yeah, year. I know. Like there's no way they're, they're winning that many games. Like maybe 10 wins at best. I think by default, I think I'm going to take green Bay, I guess. Chris, there's one other team in this division that I think there is the Detroit overlooking. Lions. There is the beard and pencils. I Chris, pencils? what's beard and pencils odds to win this division? Uh, plus five fifty. Could we see it? There, here's the you know here's the interesting thing about them actually because I and I because it's well because it's beer and pencil so I I can't quite climb all the way up on board. Over under six and a half. Yeah. The over is minus one fifty five. Oh, that's a that's a. This is my so I'm not gonna hide it anymore. This is who I like to win this division. Wow. This is a beard and pencil contract year. He's got to do it this year. They play pretty janky schedule. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of seemingly easy wins. They definitely will do better than four. They definitely will do better than six, in my opinion. I love the backfield. I think that their Stafford is due for a decent season. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with their defense. Um, Not so that's that's I I just like I can't say definitively, but for right. the reasons that you brought up, I th- I think Green Bay is I think Aaron's out Aaron Rodgers out the fucking door. I think yep. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Like uh, and I the Bears are a nightmare. The Bears I think win four games. I the I don't see I see a world where the Detroit Lions could win this division. I I just do it, and and this is gonna be this is my hot take. Give me the right. Lions. Give me the Lions to win this motherfucker. Why not? Well, I mean, why not? Why not? Again, this, this is sort of my Miami theory. Why not? Like, exactly. Um, That's exactly right. I'm taking a page from your... I, and, we're both, and we're both doing Belichick trees. Uh, we're both taking ex-Belichick coaches. It's true. It's true. Wow. Which is oh, not right. a you stretch. I'll jump on board with Detroit with you. <laughs> yeah, baby. Beard and I, pencils. I can see a world... I can see... I have a vision of Detroit maybe getting to eight wins. I, I, it's it's going to be hard... One of these teams is probably going to have to get to nine, at least nine wins to win the division. Yeah. So maybe a lot of they cancel each other out. Maybe there's there is a little bit of a path there for for Detroit to kind of sneak up in there. Why not? I think you're going to see a surprise so, a surprise Detroit Lions team. Oh. <laughs> All right, NFC South, the clusterfuck that is the NFC South. Uh, it's another hot take. 
I like a rebound year for the Atlanta Falcons. I I like what they've done in the offseason. I think not unlike Matt Stafford. I like Matty Ice to have a bit. Matt Matt Ice is a that dude never gets injured. He's mm-hmm. fairly consistency, mm-hmm. fairly consistent. Sorry, this is a this is a um. I think he he plays well in uh, in even years, not odd years. There's some sort of thing like that. Um, and I think this like this is the division that beats themselves up. Um, and one team usually comes out on top. Last year it was New Orleans. I don't know. I like I like the I like the pickup of Gurley. I I just see a, I see a world in where the Falcons can can win this division. I think that the Saints are going to regress a ton, and I'm I have no idea what to think of Tampa Bay. So that's my pick. I'm going with the Falcons. Okay, I I like it. I was I was I was with you on them four or five months ago. Yeah, and they they were going to be my team to sort of they're they're plus eight hundred right now to win the division. That's great. That's good money. It's good money. That's really good money. I I just I've I've fallen off of them, and I I can't I can't stay with them anymore because I don't think they're good enough across the board, especially compared to what Tampa Bay and New Orleans has sort of continued to done or, or improved themselves here and stuff. Um, the Bucks are 160, uh, 150. The Saints are minus 125. So clearly the Saints seem to be the, the big favorite here. Right. Uh, I, Brady improves the Bucks a lot. The Bucks won seven games in spite of Jameis, basically. The Bucks improved the, the Bucks improved themselves a lot. Like the Bucks right. just are better team. Like Brady Brady aside, they're just they're just a, a more well rounded, better team, in my opinion. Right. And and I think I you know, I think if anything, Brady brings stability to the offense and, and sort of helps the defense not be on the field so much so they can make a bigger impact, I think, on games. Instead yeah. of trying to overcome the offensive turnovers and stuff they, they did all last season with Jameis. Good point. So I, I think there's I think there's just stability across the board there. So do they win ten games in the in the in the division uh, for the season? Yeah, maybe so. Do they win the division? I think I'm, for some reason I'm just gonna play this one safe. I I, I think like, you're right. I think New Orleans starts regressing. Um, I, they're probably not as good as they even were last year. I think their window is is kind of like closing rapidly here. Maybe Breeze lasts this whole season. Possibly not. You know, I, I feel like there might be a Jameis resurgence here a little bit. And he, you know, I think we even joked about it before maybe, but I'm, I'm a little bit serious about that, like leading them to the playoffs and getting a few wins at the end of the year or something because Bra- uh, Breeze might be hurt or whatnot. I don't know. Playing Bridgewater. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to play this one safe a little bit because I still like the Saints. I like what they do on, uh, on both offense and defense. They got a lot, a ton of talent. If Kamara's healthy, then I think, I think they're not quite a shoe in for that division. But I, I think they sort of they one or two games above above Tampa and uh, and and um, and and that's actually maybe one of my uh, wild card teams. Oh yeah, it sounds like it. I think it's probably both of our wild card teams. But before we get there, let's go to the NFC West. Uh, you can go ahead and now talk about the Seahawks for three minutes. Please begin. <laughs> They're my Dallas Cowboys. Um, as I, I'm still probably higher on the Seahawks than probably most everyone else. Although I've seen a few people now sort of uh, in the media talking heads, sort of talking up Seattle a little bit more as a potential division winner here. Sporting news likes they, them a lot. Um, if I have it, where the hell did it go? NFC West. Uh, San Francisco's minus 106. Seattle's plus 220. Ooh, I like that. Um, so oddly, I think the, the, the biggest surprise to me here with this division odds is the Rams are plus 550 and the Cardinals are plus 700. Yeah. I would put the Cardinals up. Above the Rams there for that division. Odds wise, I think the Rams are going to be garbage and playing from behind a lot. They're going to be a lot of stats. I think their defense is is toast. They're burnt. 
uh, and their offense, I, I just, you know, got, I can't get with golf. Uh, however, um, you and Blake Bortles, both <laughs> Blake Bortles, yeah, the, yeah, you know. the, the holdout you don't know is holding out is right. Is happening right now in the NFL. Blake Bortles refuses to play for the, for a practice squad and is holding out for all 32 teams. That's a, that's a bre- breaking story. Forget your Dalvin Cooks. Forget your Alvin Kamara's. Blake Bortles, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, and maybe out. this is a little bit because I don't want to jinx the Seahawks, or maybe I'm not sure if they're actually, you know, both San Francisco, Seattle, both get the 10 wins, maybe. Um, but I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to play this one safe. Let's take San Francisco. Oh, that's, that's a definitely a, you're just reverse jinxing yourself. Obviously, the Seattle Seahawks are the team to beat. They're just so much, they're, they're, they, Metcalf has come on as a as a probably a Pro Bowl level wide receiver. I love Chris Carson healthy. I think that their PD boy always does something decent. Does Clowney back? Did he come back? No, he's not. He's still okay. free agent. He might even sign with the Saints or the Tennessee Titans. Apparently now. Weird. Uh, yeah, I I mean I feel like the Seahawks will just be fine. I I'm never gonna like I'm never gonna like Jimmy Garoppolo. No. I, I just I, I don't believe Jimmy Garoppolo and and a fucking tight end are good enough to win this division two years in a row, and I and I I it's just my thought. I I think mm-hmm. Seattle is this one is There's easy. A regression there. This one is easy to me, but I will say this. So listening to your odds and the uh, of the last of four of the six divi- no sorry four of the eight divisions you've got Miami at plus four hundred, Falcons or sorry Miami at plus eight hundred, Falcons at plus eight hundred, Lions at plus five hundred, Cards at plus seven hundred. If you put if you just put twenty five bucks on each one of those teams, I have a feeling you'll get one of them right, and mm-hmm. make your money back. That's like I, those don't seem like stretches to me. Like there's a there's a way the Cards, Lions, Falcons, or Miami win the one of those divisions. And so, just to sort of recap on those long odds, I would definitely I I I've already put money on the Cardinals. I put money on the Cardinals at like like five months ago. <laughs> in fact i probably shouldn't have because it sounds like the odds got well no i got them at plus 800 but i i uh, i i like taking those chances on those teams so that's 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 where i stand with that let's jump to wild cards we get do we get three this year or is it four i forget like what, what are they doing here oh right there might be three this year now then i think there are three. Oh, i forgot about this yeah you get three wild cards this year so oh, that makes easier. yeah so chris you want to just give me your three wild cards in the AFC? Sure. Uh, AFC then. All right. Uh, uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, and some one of the teams from the AFC East. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well done. <laughs> I'm going to take three of the teams from the American Football Conference. I'm just going to give, give me three. Give me three of them. Three of the teams that I didn't pick to win the division will be my will be my wild cards. Swami has spoken. Long live Jambi. Uh, I uh, okay. So I'll I'll let you think on which one which AFC East team you're gonna pick. I agree with you on Cleveland. I think Cleveland goes. I think Pittsburgh misses the playoffs. I think Ben Roethlisberger's wash. I think that I think that Mason Rudolph's garbage. I Paxton Lynch. I love you, but you're probably not gonna get to see any starting time at. Like Pittsburgh's got a no running game. Their defense will be good and will be good enough to get them very close to the playoffs again. But I think Cleveland might be better. And I think Cincinnati might be better. 
And I think it's just a tough conference to like to squeak in there. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh's the odd man out for me. I uh, I also like an AFC East team to to make the playoffs, and that <laughs> that is the Buffalo Bills um, as a wild card, just because I feel like they're perennial wild cards. Mm-hmm. Like that's like they're the bridesmaid of mm-hmm. of the NFL. They're too good. I think Josh Allen's legit. I like I like their running game. Um, so they they are my AFC East team to win a wild card spot. Uh, and then my third, and this should come as no surprise, but I want to make the I want to preface this by saying I was on Denver last year, motherfuckers. Like everybody wants to be on Denver right now. Everybody loves Drew Locke right now, which means they're probably gonna suck. And I blame you if they do. All of you, all of you predicting that you think you're just so high on Denver having a breakout season. Remember, it's John Elway. He'll probably fucking blow it. It's probably going to be the Chargers. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Denver Broncos as my wild card because I love that fucking team. I love everything they stand for. I love Cortland Sutton. I love Jerry Judy. Like, they should be. I love their backfield. They should be fucking just rad. Their defense should be, like, a little bit more equipped, better than they were last year. And they weren't bad last year. They were 7-9. and nine. Like, they weren't bad. So let's just let's let Drew Locke do what he do, and uh, and let's get that wild card, Denver. So here's here's the interesting thing about the AFC West teams. That's not Kansas City. Denver is uh, their over under is basically uh, seven and a half. There's also a second one for over under eight and a half. But the over under uh, the over seven seven point five is minus one eighteen. The Chargers over under seven and a half over is minus one forty one. The Raiders over under seven over seven is minus one twenty one as well. Like they're they're so they're predicting like I mean, they're kind of saying like they could all win over seven games in that division. That's weird because none of them did win over seven <laughs> games last year. <laughs> so that means they're all gonna have to improve and be good. Yeah. I was I was uh, I was about to I think leading up to this week or or for the weeks coming previously, I'm sorry. Um I was gonna I was gonna take a dark horse on 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 the Los Angeles Chargers as well. But then Derwin James got hurt and he's out for the season. Yeah. And I think that affects them enough yeah. that that defense probably it won't be that good. You're going to see Herbert. You're going to see Herbert by week five. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think Herbert might be a long ways off for everything I've been reading. He's a long ways off. No way, um, dude. He's sort future. of struggling. And Tyrod Taylor's a, Tyrod Taylor's great. I think Tyrod yeah. Taylor, I'm so glad he's getting this opportunity. He got yeah. fucking, he got swept under the rug unnecessarily. He was just pushed aside because the weird Bills had a racist owner. And like, they just, it's a, they, like, he should have been given another opportunity. It sucks that it's with this team, maybe, but, uh, I hope, I really hope he, I think he's a quality quarterback. I think he's going to do, I think he could do great things. I'm just a little nervous that they're going to be quick on the trigger and want to, like, sure. And go with their like big shot rookie, yeah. Quarterback, and that's fair. So I, I, I do, I do like what you said about Buffalo, though, sort of being the perennial wild card team. So I'll, I'll jump aboard on that one and 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 make them because it's probably right. Because either I know I'm, I'm taking a long shot with Miami here, and I don't actually think that's going to happen. But uh, so you know, either Buffalo or New England's going to win the division, and the other team will probably be the wild card. Yeah. So I think that that's a. That's a smart look at. It. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if you would have taken the Jets. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> moving into the I'll, NFC, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, fewest wins, uh, dark horse, yeah, uh, for the season, yeah. uh, the New York Jets. Carolina Panthers are the team. I hate to break it to you. Sorry, oh, Rowie. not Jackson. No, I think Carolina Panthers 
is the Jaguars are the odds-on favorite. I think Carolina Panthers win one game, and and McCarthy, whatever his name is, who's their running back that everybody loves so oh, much, Patrick. that guy gets injured in like the first fifteen minutes of the season. Uh, all right, so let's go NFC wild cards. Chris, who do you like? Oh, uh, okay, great. So it's gonna have to be so Seattle, Tampa Bay, and. Man, why am I blanking now on um, Cowboys? The third one. Cowboys. Uh, not the A, Cowboys. not the NFC East. Cowboys. Uh, Falcons. Man, that's a good question now. Cardinals. Maybe have. Ooh, Cardinals. Oof, man. Um, Seahawks. You said Seahawks, right? Yeah, Seahawks, Tampa. Yeah, I guess it's the Cowboys. I guess the Cowboys. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to take the Cowboys, but you did. Maybe there's an NFC North team in there. No, there isn't. You know, if Detroit doesn't actually win the division, maybe they're the wild card. That's, that feels good. That's a, that's a, if, but I don't think so. I, don't <laughs> I, I Originally, I thought like, yeah, like Vikings, Lions, they could both end up in the same place. I think that they, I think Green Bay regresses too. Uh, I yeah, it feels very toss up. I I'm gonna throw Tampa Bay in there just because I think it has to happen. So like that's one of my wild cards. And then I like I honestly I could see a world where it's I like it's an NFC South teams. You know, it's like the Saints, Falcons, Bucks. That feels very op, op like an option. Or Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals. That could be something that happens. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss. I'm gonna do like a mix up of that. I'm gonna go with the Saints as a wild card team, the Bucks as a wild card team. <sighs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Cardinals as a wild card team. I think the I hate the Niners. I don't want to root for them, so I'm not gonna take them. Give me the Cardinals as my last wild card team. There you go. Down the limb a little bit. I like it. Yeah, I'm out there. Good for you. What do you All think? Right. Uh, should we, uh, should we move to like Super Bowl? Yeah. Let's just quickly, stupidly pick who our Super Bowl teams are. <laughs> go, go ahead. You can have this one first. Detroit and Denver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. You nailed it. Um, yeah, I, there's not teams. I, I'm even looking like odds wise. I'm even looking at stuff here. There's not, there, there's just teams. I just, I don't like anybody, honestly. Yeah. It's a weird season. Like even Kansas City and, and, and Baltimore, the two odds on favorites. I'm just not completely sold on them either. I'm gonna take two teams that I didn't pick to play, win the playoffs. Like <laughs> make the playoffs. <laughs> I like the Steelers and the Vikings, and that could be it. Who knows? Like it's this is dumb. Why are we predicting the Super Bowl champions right now? This is stupid. Uh, since you're hemming and hawing, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys, and that will ensure ex- that exactly. Win. You should. Who do you like? Let's do it. And let's get the fuck um, out of here. Yeah, great. All right, let's do Colts Cowboys. Colts Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys team, the wild Colts. Oh. <laughs> ride them hard and into the ground. I'm going to go ahead and say Patriots Tampa Bay. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what that I'm going to. Like since we're throwing. That feels like a script. Yeah, yeah. and that's how I play. Conspiracy Chris yep. loves a story. So lock it in. All right. This has gone on far too long. I said we'd keep it to a half an hour. We kept it to way further than that. So let's get the fuck out of here. Enjoy your Labor Day, Chris. Enjoy your Labor Day, listeners. What? 
the NFL season preview blowout special show, Chris. We can't just keep this contained. This. That's the song. I should have started opened with that. Yeah. As done by Gonzo's chickens. All right, Chris. Have a great weekend. You too, buddy. Peace.